Okay, starting at verse 1. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. And he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is in sight. For by me your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet. And bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there. And her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Thanks, honey. Um, <laughs> I just realised something. I said, thanks, honey. And if you're visiting, you're wondering, who is that? What? He's really friendly with that woman. Uh, that's my wife, by the way. So I'm allowed to say that. Um, uh, we <laughs> have been spending our time in... Um, this summer, looking at this idea of wisdom in life. And this morning, uh, Beck just read out to you from Proverbs chapter 9. Uh, and so before we begin, I um, just want to just kind of lay the groundwork for a little bit for you. Uh, we say this most Sundays. If you're visiting Canterbury Gardens, welcome again. My name is Shabir. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, we at this church, when we open the Word, when we open the Bible, we don't think it's just a book. We believe it's as though God is speaking to us. And we pray that God will speak to you and your hearts. Um, this morning, whether if you are a follower, maybe you're a skeptic, uh, maybe you're unsure about this whole thing about who God is, we pray that God will reveal himself to you this morning. So with that in mind, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and I thank you so much that you know every single soul that is sitting in the seats this morning. You know intimately who we are. You know our struggles, our joys, our doubts, our victories. We pray as we stop and pause this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would stir our affections to love Christ more as we consider Proverbs 9. And Lord, I pray for myself as I serve you that it's not for you my glory at all. It's for your glory alone. And what's remembered is your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if you have a little one and you're sort of trying to keep them quiet, please don't. It's fine. We don't mind the noise here at Canterbury Gardens. Feel free to head up, do the activities, or let them run around. We really don't mind. Um, 
Over the last couple of weeks, we've been taking our time uh, looking at some um, passages from the book of Proverbs. Uh, We've been kind of making sure the foundation is there first, and that foundation is this, that wisdom, and particularly when we talk about wisdom, we're not talking about worldly wisdom, we're talking about God's wisdom. First, it needs to be grounded, and it's based on an awe and reverence of who God is. And then out of that, there's this joy, and then there's this blessing of wisdom. And, and this idea of the Bible's definition of wisdom is much more than just some sort of philosophical kind of term that we throw around. What wisdom does, particularly godly wisdom, God's wisdom, it reveals more about of who God is. It reveals His character. And as we've been unpacking over the last few weeks, we're asking the question, well, whose wisdom am I living according to? Am I living according to my own wisdom, the world's wisdom? And even today as we discover woman folly, or am I living according to God's wisdom? So this morning I want us to consider a couple of things. I guess what I want to consider is this idea of there's two ways to live in life. Another way to put it is as we look at this passage to ask yourself the question, which way am I living? Which way am I living? Now the passage that Beck just read to you in Proverbs 9, in verses 1 to 6, we meet a very key character in the book of Proverbs. What we know of her is she's Lady Wisdom. Last week we heard a bit more about her. If you were here, or if you haven't heard, I would encourage you to head to our website or download on podcast. You can listen to Andy's great sermon on that. But we're reminded that there's blessing in listening to Wisdom's voice. And what we have now over the next, this chapter is to consider what we're seeing is what Lady Wisdom does. So last week we heard about what Lady Wisdom's like, who she is, her history, and now we're seeing what Lady Wisdom does. Or, if you want to go a bit more deeper, is to ask or see that Lady Wisdom is here to offer something to you and I. Lady Wisdom is here to offer a, a wonderful way to live. Now notice what she's doing. Did you see in verses 1 to 6? Have a look. We have this beautiful picture of wisdom personified as a lady. She's preparing. And she's built a house. Uh, she's taken her time to carve out seven pillars. Now we'll get to that in a minute, what that means. Uh, she's preparing a meal. It's not like she's just setting the table for a bit of a little breakfast meal. No, she's doing a banquet. It's, it's pretty big. She's going to all lengths. Now she's set up the Facebook event. She's set out the invitations to everyone. She's set out her servants to go and gather. And notice who the invitations head out to, though. And remember, this is a, a son who's listening to his father, who's a king. And you would think the invitations would head to kings, maybe princes. The invitation's been sent to whoever is simple. Let him turn in here and to him who lacks sense. And at this party that she's put together, there's something on offer. Uh, There's this amazing feast and there's this invitation to come, to eat, to drink. And the invitation to leave one way and follow wisdom's way. Now, in Proverbs chapter, from chapter 1 to chapter 9, it's really the first section of Proverbs. If you have Proverbs, it's kind of broken into sections. Chapters 1 to 9 is this section, and this is the first section that's coming to an end. In verse 
18 of chapter 1, you have this wonderful picture of a father is coming along to his son and saying, Hey, see, listen, listen to wisdom, listen to the wisdom I'm telling you. Because this wisdom is not actually my wisdom, this is actually God's wisdom. It's a beautiful picture. Uh, This picture of this lady, wisdom, going to great lengths to prepare all these things in front of all her guests. I mean, the idea of building a home, uh, how many of you have built a home from scratch? My guess is, yeah, it takes time, but for Lady Wisdom in that day and age to build something took a really long time. This idea of seven pillars and this imagery is a pretty significant picture in the Bible. On one hand, it's an allusion, I think, to creation, this idea of uh, God creating and on the seventh day he rested. It's that symbolism coming out again of Lady Wisdom working. And she's created seven pillars. It's a picture of completion. But notice something. It's to gather the attention of the Jewish audience that would have been listening to this first time. She's not in haste. She's purposeful. She's taking her time. She goes to great lengths, but notice something. This meal that she's preparing comes at great cost to her. Comes at great cost to her. And the invitation is then to the simple person. Now, I don't know about you, when we think about simple person, you know, you might think of, you know, good old uh, Meryl. She's a simple old lady. Cute, nice. Uh, this is not the kind of language that the Old Testament language is talking about. Uh, the simple person, uh, it's actually someone who actually lacks any kind of sense. This is the person who is very naive. This is the person who is very foolish. And this person is both naive and foolish, both in their minds and in their hearts. And these are the people who are heading one way, and Lady Wisdom says, Hey, I'm inviting you. Turn. Turn in here. Come, eat, drink. Leave your naive and foolish ways. Walk in the way of understanding and discernment. And what we have here, friends, shown to you and I, and even to the son that this was spoken to, is this. This is the first way of life. This is a wonderful way. This is the way of Lady Wisdom. This way of life is based 100% on God's wisdom. But notice something. All of this wisdom and this call to live this life actually has come at great cost to Lady Wisdom. She's very generous. I mean, the naive fool is asked just to come. The fool and the simple is not even bringing a box of chocolates to this event. The invitation is just there to come. This woman provides shelter. And for the original hearers, they would have been picturing and visualizing pillars, whether if it's in the palace or the temple itself. It's an imagery of a great feast. And the, the language, a father who's a king to a, a son who's a prince, it's like saying, well, you would invite, of course, a distinguished guest. No, this best food and the best wine has been reserved for the wandering, naive, fool. It's to make the original person listening in and been asked to kind of go, whoa, that sounds a bit extreme to someone. It sounds really generous. Here, Lady Wisdom is saying, leave your foolish ways, 
Leave your naive ways and come. Come and eat what I have to offer because in that there is great reward. The reward is not what's there in material. It's actually, it's about life. See, the first way of life to live, to consider, is actually hear God's wisdom about life and to taste the very goodness of who God is. That's the first way of life. See, in the Bible, this idea of wisdom is not just about growing in knowledge. It's something far bigger and far more beautiful and far deeper. In the moment when we listen to God's wisdom and wisdom calling out, we're actually hearing and experiencing the very heart of God himself. What happens when we listen to God's wisdom Not only do we get this blessing of life, but we actually get God himself. That's the whole point of godly wisdom. And this is the only way that we and I will truly find life. It's not based on our very kind of popular cultural term, believe in yourself. No, the Bible's description is don't believe in yourself. Look away from yourself. Look to the one who provides godly, deep, generous wisdom. This is the God who's doing all the work. This is the God who offers wisdom at his own cost to both the naive and to the fools. People like you and me. Friends, I don't know if, you, if you're new to the Christian faith or exploring, your assumption might be this. To be a Christian, it's all about making sure you do the Ten Commandments or something like that. To be a Christian is to make sure that you don't sleep around or don't have sex before marriage. To be a Christian means, you know, don't get drunk. To be a Christian is about just having a moral compass. Uh, can I just suggest something to you? That's far too simplistic. Too simplistic. See, God's law is there. God's commands are there. There is a standard of living that God asks for us to live. But it's not there to make us, in a sense, to get some sort of one-upmanship. Look at me and look what I'm doing. What's there is to remind us of God's grace and love. He's preparing a loving feast as we enjoy His wisdom and His fellowship. What it's doing is it's reorientating our hearts to the way that we're supposed to live. And that's the invitation God has for you. That's what He's inviting you to. To leave your simple ways, to leave your foolish ways... And to come, listen to his invitation. Now, Christian friends, before we get comfortable and say, oh, yeah, it's for those guys. No, no, listen. <laughs> wisdom is for us too, godly wisdom. The words in front of us are there for you and I too. It's the question that we need to ask, how am I living at the moment? Whose wisdom am I listening to? Am I living in the way of godly wisdom? Or... There may be some of us who say, yes, I believe in God. But if I push you a little bit, it's almost like we say to God, yes, I believe in you. You can get involved in those special spiritual things, but the rest of life, I've got it. That's not God's picture of wisdom. Christian friends, we need to be careful when you and I are tempted to say, God, I've got this. You know what? That started a long time ago. That started in the garden. It's a lie that's as old as the garden. In that, since the beginning, God himself 
designed for the humans to be under his loving care and authority. And he says to the first humans, hey, come, enjoy what I've created. Eat. But just don't eat that. And lovingly, he puts boundaries around. The enemy of Satan comes and tempts and says, really? You don't need God's wisdom. You can have your own. And his lie to the first humans was, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will become like God knowing good and evil. This is what the devil does. He too tempts and says, come and eat. Friends, this is nothing new, but when you and I, for those of us who know God, and we we are tempted to consider this idea of, I've got this, we automatically become forgetful. We've got to remember our wisdom, human wisdom, is flawed because of sin. Unlike when you and I listen to God's wisdom. In God's wisdom we are reminded, not only is it really good for us and the fruit of it is good, in that moment when you and I obey to God's wisdom, we actually get to experience God himself. He's the one, in his wisdom, always knows best. Even in those moments, and it doesn't make sense. Even in moments of great joy, in moments of doubt, in moments of brokenness, God's wisdom is always wonderful. And I guess the question now is, as we kind of consider Lady Wisdom and her way of life, then the question is, well, which way am I going? Well, how do I know if I'm actually listening to Lady Wisdom? How do I know if I'm going down that track? Well, really comes down to how you and I listen. How good are we at listening? So if you look at verses 7 to 12, we have a depiction of two types of people. We have the life of a scoffer and the life of a wise person. Now, I'm guessing you don't use this kind of language around your dining table, you know? You're such a scoffer. So-and-so is such a scoffer. Maybe you talk like that, I don't know, but um, most people don't. Uh, (coughs) So because it's Australia Day, here's some Aussie slang for you. A scoffer is someone who's pretty up themselves. They have dibs on themselves. They're quite arrogant. They have an overinflated view of themselves. They're the person who loves talking predominantly about themselves. They're the one who actually knows what's best. They struggle to listen. And you know, it's really powerful language here, friends, because I don't know if you saw it, both the scoffer and the wicked are on the same level. It's confronting language. This is someone who is now hearing some correction, godly correction, godly discipline. This is someone engaging with this person, and this person doesn't have time for them. They don't listen. And this is why in this proverb there's this trouble that comes. There's physical trouble and verbal trouble. And there's even hate towards the person who brings godly correction. This is the one, that moment when someone's speaking to them and saying, hey, that's not the best thing for you. This is what God says. They turn around and say, what would you know? I've got this. 
don't bother talking to me. And you know what? If you're reading these verses, uh, if you're in that kind of relationship right now, you know, you might have that one person that you've been trying to speak to them about God and who, what God would like. And that person is constantly saying to you, yeah, but you know what? The description here is to say to you, you know what? Don't bother. Don't waste your time. This picture here, friends, is nothing new in the Bible. This has been around in the Bible since the fall. Another way the Bible describes this is called pride. This person is dripping with pride. I mean, some theologians would argue that the heart of all sin is pride. It's the fool saying to God's wisdom, even through others who love God, no thanks, what would you know? Now, friends, this could look like in many ways, right? Many ways. But here is the image of someone who does not listen at all, does not have room to listen to godly counsel. Particularly in the context here, it's someone who's getting corrected to point them back to Lady Wisdom. This is the person who says, I'm never wrong. And this is the person who always says, I've got this. And the person who does not even admit they're wrong. This is the person who struggles to listen to good, godly counsel. The heart of it, this is the person who says, I've got this. And friends, I don't know about you. This is the moment I was reading this this week and thinking through this. It's all of us, isn't it? In some way or form. A few years ago, this is before knowing Jesus, I just want to put that in there, uh, I was out with some mates. We were having a few drinks at a pub in Hawthorne, and, uh, and uh, one of my mates said, hey, I'm going to go to the car. So he went to the car, and we were all drinking, and at one point I said, where is he? They were like, oh, I don't know, let's go find out. So we all kind of come out of the pub in Hawthorne, and, and we're there, and there he is on the floor in front of his, in the back of his car. The boots are open, he's on the floor. We panic. We run to him. And we, we don't know what we're doing because we've had too many drinks. So we're just looking at him and staring. Oh, no, he's, I think he's breathing. Uh, and then all of a sudden, somehow, don't know what happened, somehow this person heard. And out of the pub comes this guy. And if you can just imagine dramatic hero music, right? Running to my friend on the floor. He goes, what happened? And we're like, we don't know. He goes, it's all right, I've got this. He's got a watch. Puts his hand on the pulse and stands there. We're all like... He looks at us and goes, I think he's going to be okay. Now, in that time, we were directly opposite uh, Melbourne Fire Brigade building. A uniformed fire brigade guy comes up and says, hey, uh, fellas, are you guys all right? And we just looked at him, and I'm like, well, I don't know. And the guy with the watch turns around and says, mate, I've got this. I've got my certificate in St. John's Ambulance. I'm sure the training is great for St. John Ambulance. Here is a fireman whose full-time job is to rescue people. (laughs) So this is what pride does. Pride says, I've got this with my own means. Now, friends, this is for both old and young. Young people, what is our response? I'll put myself in that young people today. When someone who loves God comes along to you and says, hey, you know what, do you think that's the best thing for you? Do you think that's going to... How's that going to affect your relationship with God? What is our response? Older people. I'm just going to put it out there. What's our response? Do we struggle to be corrected? Do you know one way to guess or think and consider that? 
Who's speaking into your life right now? The sad thing sometimes I see is when I meet men and women in older seasons of life who don't have mentors themselves because they've somehow achieved that. The Bible describes you never graduate from seeking godly wisdom. You know, you kind of see this all the time. I mean, this happened in my life even this last few months. Uh, over the last few months, um, last year, in the middle of last year through City to City, uh, I've had the great privilege to get some preaching coaching. And you might be thinking, is it really working? Um, <laughs> so that, the, the preaching coach, uh, he's based in America. He's written books and teaches preaching on preaching. And he, you know, very generous with his time, spends an hour with me and coaches through my preaching stuff. I had the first meeting with him, and you know, I want to impress this guy. And so he says to me, um, so should you tell me a bit about your preaching? What do you like? What's your style? And you know, I'm trying to explain it and trying to use theological terms, so I sound really smart. Uh, and then he turns around to me, oh, that's interesting. Um, so can I just ask you, when you're doing this, do you do this? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course, yep, 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 yep. And I kept on saying, yes, I know, yes, I know, yes, I know, yes, I know. And I had this moment. He was very kind with me. He was very gracious. He was very quiet. He's older than me. Didn't say anything. But I had this thought that came into my head and said, well, why are you even talking to him? That is such a prideful response to someone who's trying to give me the wisdom of God based on what they've learned about unfolding God's manifold wisdom. Whether if you're a skeptic or a follower... Are we the ones doing most of the talking in those moments when we have correction? So we've met the scoffer. Now we meet a response of what it looks like to respond to wisdom, godly wisdom, to listen to um, um, wisdom. In verse 8, we have the wise. The wise is the one who receives. They listen. They don't talk. They just listen. They know that it's good for them, and their response is thank you, and there's love. That comes from them. In verse 9, the wise listens to the instruction and not just listens, but it's this picture that they listen and they go, okay, I need to apply this. They apply it because they know it's from God's wisdom. In verse 9, the wise and righteous man, they're, they're both people who have a relationship with God, right? And when they are taught, they desire to grow in learning. So they're looking for wisdom. They're seeking it. They're talking to people who run the race before them and asking questions. How did you deal with this when you are going through this situation? You know, they're just, it's pursuing wisdom. It's a posture of humility. It's totally in contrast to what pride does. A prideful person does not want to listen, while a wise person is willing to listen, no matter where the counsel is coming from, whether young or old particularly when it's rooted in the wisdom of God. It's a posture, posture of humility and learning. And the reason why they listen, though, the wise person, is not because, hey, I better listen, you know, because this person older than me, they're wiser than me. No, no, no. Did you pick that up in verses 10 to 12? We've seen this already, haven't we, in Proverbs? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. See, a wise person knows that when loving correction comes, it's for their good. Because they know in that moment, that source is not some sort of 
Christian sage who sits and says, look, I know everything. No. This person comes and says, I love you. (laughs) I want you to love God more. Listen. Because it's grounded in knowing God. It's grounded in knowing the Holy One. Because the whole aim of this kind of wisdom is not for wisdom's sake, it's so that they get God more. They get to know the Holy One more. So the idea of Bible wisdom is not about puffing yourself up. Rather, it should go godly wisdom grounded in God and the Holy One should cause you and I to grow in an awe of who God is and what He's done. And this is why this language is eternal life language. And this is why the, the author of this proverb says in verse 12, Hey, if you're wise, guess what? You will listen and it will be for your advantage. But if you're not, you're going to be arrogant. And you know what? There's going to be consequences for that. It's a call to warning, to ask you and I, who will I be? It's asking the question, which way will I follow? See, the Christian perspective of getting wisdom is much more than, hey, I'm getting wisdom so I can have a blessed life. Getting wisdom is not like I'm getting wisdom now so that I can claim this and claim that. No, 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 friends. God's perspective of wisdom is ultimately about gaining something far more greater and beautiful that is God himself. That's the end goal of godly wisdom, to grow in a deeper awareness of who God is and what he's done growing in an awareness of his goodness, his graciousness, his holiness, his wrath, his justice, his love, all the attributes that he's communicated to us and the attributes that we see all around us. This is what God offers, both if you're a follower or a skeptic. But you know what? As we unravel wisdom, as we unravel Proverbs, we are reminded that there is a deep heart problem in all of this. See, for us to fully understand what it means to pursue godly wisdom, we need to see the contrast. There's an other voice calling. This is woman folly. Now, for those people who were listening at that time, and even for us, if you've heard woman folly, it should stir something in you and go, oh, that doesn't sound good at all. Woman folly is loud. She's seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of a house. She takes a seat on the highest places of town calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant, but she, but he does not know that the dead are there and her guests are in the depths of Sheol. If you had a chart, I would encourage you to do this when you get home. On one column, put in wisdom. The other one, folly. And you will see very contrasting people. A woman folly, a woman foolishness, She's loud, she's brash, she's riotous. If you want to use modern day language, she's the center of attention. And she knows it. I mean, she looks really good on the outside. She even sounds really good on the outside. But yet, there's no substance to anything that she offers. She's also sitting and waiting for that fool and naive person to pass by and say, hey, turn your way. Come in here. She also promises drink and food. But unlike Lady Wisdom, who's gone to great lengths to prepare this meal at her own cost, Woman Folly has stolen it and it's cost somebody else. And this is what she does. And she sounds good, tastes good even. At the heart of it, all it does is brings death. 
Friends, this does not sound like sin and temptation and the things of this world. I call out to you and I, to call out to the proud and naive, promising so much, but at the heart of it, delivering death to our souls. Has a woman follower you've been calling to you? Has a woman follower been calling to me? In what way? Now, this could look like many ways, and if you unpack Proverbs, it comes out in so many things, whether if it's adulterous woman calling, whether if it's the promise of wealth, whether if it's in earthly things that promise much but give nothing. And the question is, how am I being seduced today in 2020? In what way is woman folly calling to me? Friends, at the heart of it, it's a picture of a person who foolishly runs headlong, looking at seeing the external and saying, that looks really good, I want a bit of that. But they don't realize it brings destruction. They're not in awe of God. Author and the one who wrote the line which on the wardrobe, C.S. Lewis put it this way. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased it's like saying you have been given an all expenses paid holiday and what you want to do is stay home and turn on the computer and look at what's on there friends this is subtle but this is the realities of the temptations of this world and the enemy that is constantly warring against your flesh that says eat take satisfy as one artist put it tempts you to yell out this song I am a champion and you're going to hear me roar that's the call of our culture but it's not wise God says it's foolish so the question is which way are you living which way am I living so what is our hope what is our hope well friends the hope is there the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is inside It is actually to turn your gaze and my gaze away to the one who has always been generous with people who are foolish, who run away. This is God himself who is always initiated to pursue naive fools like you and me. The one who still invites you and me to come and eat. The one who the prophet Isaiah would speak of and say, as he spoke to the people of Israel, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come, buy, eat, come. Buy wine, milk without money, without price. Why do you spend your money for which is not bread, your labor for which is not satisfied? Listen diligently and eat what is good. Delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear. Now come, come to me. Hear that you soul may live and I will make you an everlasting covenant of steadfast sure love of God. Both the people of Proverbs and the people that are here today and in the people of Isaiah were constantly reminded that there is a God inviting, coming, generous this God who says come partake in what I have to offer in his infinite wisdom he offers something so much better for you and me for our souls this is the same God that brings that same invitation today for the fools and the naive ones people like you and me and friends if you consider yourself and think I'm not a fool please be careful pride may be knocking at your doorstep We all are in need of God's grace. Because God himself 
left his home. In Jesus Christ, the man God who comes into this world to pursue naive and foolish people like you and me. The one who says in the Gospel of John, whoever drinks of the water I will give him will be never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water dwelling up to eternal life. Then again, he says in John 6, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. For you and I to truly gain wisdom, to truly gain godly wisdom, we need to realize that you and I need to realize we have nothing to offer God. God has offered everything to us in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who himself gave up his life for you and me. The one who on that cross said, I thirst and drank the sour drink, the wrath of God on your behalf and mine. For naive, foolish, prideful people like you and me. This is God's undeserved grace shown in his son. If you don't know that truth, we would invite you to explore that with us. Maybe chat to the friend who brought you this morning. And maybe you have tasted this goodness and grace of God. The question I have for you, is there something right now calling you and seducing you to run away from that grace? You know, Christian friends, you and I will never graduate from being humble. If you have, I'd love to get to know you. We're not here to talk to people who have written a book called, you know, I'm Humble and How I Achieved It. At the heart of it, we're all fools, but we are in need of God's grace. So I would invite you to turn your heart away if you are being called right now by woman folly. To look to the Son, Jesus Christ. As we finish this morning, some questions for you to consider. If you know Jesus, maybe there are things that you need to make decisions on. Do you seek God first? Do you seek his wisdom first? Or do you just make the decision for God? As you explore God's word, are you just wanting to grow in wisdom and knowledge? Or is the aim of reading his word, meditating on his word, listening to his word, so that you actually get God? You get to know God. What's enticing you this week? What has been enticing you? Is it that website that you constantly go to? Is it uh, that power play at work for that promotion at the cost of your relationship with God or maybe even your family? Turn to the voice of God. Friends, who's speaking into your life? Whatever season you're in, who's that man or woman saying, hey, pointing you to God, pointing you to God? And friends, finally, this is a father speaking to his son. I have three kids. I'm not an expert dad at all. But I have moments where I'm being challenged by God in the moments of encouraging them to reach academic stuff, enjoy sports, barrack for Hawthorne. Um, You know, maybe one day my son will um, be that guy in our family. I don't know. All those things, great, enjoy it. Are we encouraging our kids to be in awe of God? Are we raising them to pursue the wisdom of God rather than our own or the world's? The way of godly wisdom will ultimately point you and I to Jesus when we grow in realizing more and more God's ways and words are good. 
It's not only good for us, we gain something far more beautiful in that moment. We gain God himself in Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Father, we bow before your throne of grace. We thank you for your mercy to both fools and naive. Grow in us a heart to listen to your godly wisdom. Thank you that you're a God who continually pursue us. For those of us who have been listening to woman folly, caught up in the many things that are enticing our souls and hearts, would you free us? For those of us who have the great privilege to come alongside people, help us to not point them to ourselves but to you. And constantly grow in us the humility to listen to others and to you for your glory. In 